Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just five bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it. But anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our Hoop Ball pros, including myself, around the clock to get one-on-one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Yeah! Oh, back to Hoop Ball Hawks, the show here on the Hoop Ball Network that is taking flight. We cover everything with Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on Monday, March 1st. Happy March Madness Day. If you have not heard the song today or heard the song, period, it's one of the songs of all time by Future and probably one of the best rap songs of all time, period, in my opinion. Uh, March Madness, definitely check it out. One of the most underrated hip-hop songs of all time. Now, we talk about March Madness, but the month of February was extremely maddening for the Hawks. Losing DeAndre Hunter for all the games in the month of February and coincidentally losing a lot of games to come from that. Going 4-11 and in the month of February and in their last five games since our last recording of Hoop Ball Hawks. The Hawks had twin with two wins over playoff teams in Boston and Denver, but lost two games that they should have won, in my opinion, against the Thunder and especially that heartbreaker up in Cleveland. And then they lost last night, obviously, to the Miami Heat in a first of a two-game stint down in South Beach. After being up again in the fourth quarter, the Hawks fall by 10 on the road without Jimmy Butler playing for the Miami Heat reigning Eastern Conference champions. The Hawks are now 14-11 and 11 in games and when they have leads going into the fourth quarter, including last night where they gave up a 14-4 run at the end of the game to the Heat to lose. And the Hawks are now 6-13 and 13 in games that are within five points within the final five minutes. And now March Madness begins with a bang as Coach Lloyd Pierce has been relieved of his duties here in Atlanta. We're going to dive into all of that with our special, special guest after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. 
But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. As I said, we got a special guest. You already know who he is. Mr. ATA Player Development, Swiss for Athletics is back in the building. Jordan Boatwright, my brother. I know it's not Black History Month no more, but how are you doing, my, my man? How are we doing in this world right now? I'm doing great, man. I'm living. It's uh, March 1st, like we said. March Madness is, is getting ready to start. Uh, but I'm doing well. How about yourself? How you doing? I'm doing really good. Doing really good. I have some great news to share with the listeners at the end of the program. So we'll talk about that. It has nothing to do with the program, but something personal. So I wanted to show you guys what's been going on the last few days um, for me and my family. It's been uh, very, uh, very happy for us. But we're going to have to talk about something that's not real happy for some fans. And some fans, they are celebrating in the streets because of the news. As I said before, the firing of Coach Lloyd Pierce. And uh, we kind of joked before uh, we got on the air today that uh, the Hawks waited until after Black History Month to do this, right, Jordan? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they did wait it after uh, another deflating loss last night in which the Hawks had it sealed. Not sealed, but they had a lead in the fourth quarter and then just poor execution down the stretch, which you can't point all at Lloyd Pierce. Obviously, the players got to do their things and everything, but he is at the helm. And there's been cries for fans to fire him for since last year in it just unfortunately they waited till after the game was over, after they had a practice and a media um, opportunity with Coach Lloyd Pierce today on Monday, and then three hours after that they let him go and relieve him of his duties here in Atlanta. So first and foremost, I know we both want to take the time, but I want to thank Lloyd Pierce for his contributions to Atlanta, uh, the player development, and most importantly what he has done for the city of Atlanta in trying to get especially people of color, African-Americans here in the city, to register to vote, uh, opening up the State Farm Arena, obviously with the Atlanta Hawks organization, as a polling place, which was instrumental as far as in the past elections for the Senate races here in the state of Georgia, and as well as the president of the United States, uh, now Joe Biden. And I think that Lloyd Pierce, in uh, efforts from him and the Hawks organization, was vital here in the metro area and getting people informed of their voting rights 
and getting him out to the polls. So I want to thank him for all he, that he's done because as a black man for the city of Atlanta, he's done a lot. He's done a lot, and it will we will never forget what he's done for this city. But on the court, he did fall short. He did fall short of his responsibilities. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But this is the time to thank him and give him his, his flowers uh, before transitioning to wherever he goes on to next. Yeah, I'd like to uh, to thank him as well, too. Um, he definitely did a great job just with the city. Like he said, uh, in, um, his stance on the, the civil rights uh, movement or, you know, uh, everything that was going on in, in the last year, just getting getting people to vote. Um and then just how active he was in in the community and hands on he was with with uh, with people outside of basketball. And then just his development and growth with with the players. I mean, just he, I, th- I think he did a, a great job developing our team. I think uh, he was a great staple for our, our our city and our organization for the time that he was here. So yeah, just just hats off to him. And I'm sure he won't be long w- without a job uh, elsewhere for sure. He, he's a great addition to any team. As far as like developing players and everything, he'll he'll definitely uh, find a new home soon, I believe. Yeah, and I know we joked off air that uh, with his buddy Steve Nash up in Brooklyn, he's probably going to end up on the Brooklyn uh, Nets team. They got some young pieces on that team to go with those superstars up there. He could be very you know integral part of you know player development. Have his opportunity to just really just develop those young players so that they're ready to play alongside the KDs, the Kyrie Irvings, the James Hardens of the world up in Brooklyn and get him a ring at some point. Uh, But we're going to talk about the timing, the timing of it. Did you feel like this was too early? This was too late as far as uh, the time in which he was, you know, relieved of his duties this year? Uh, I personally... I was kind of looking at at this mark, um, this like halfway mark of the season, or getting close to it, like around All Star break, because um, that's what I figured they would do. I mean, I feel like if, if Atlanta was really hoping for a playoff berth this year, I think they would have fired him a couple weeks ago. But given it being Black History Month, like we said, everything that he's done for the city, and then you know everything that's just gone on in the last year or two, and He's been a you know an active face and an active member uh, in in on on our side of things, so I don't think it would have it would have been a right to fire him during Black History Month and everything. So I think they did right by waiting till that, but then also still considering all the injuries and everything, and just just giving him a chance and and, and waiting until All Star break around the halfway mark just to see if if anything could change or you know if there'd be some type of signs of you know uh, a turnaround coming. So. I think the firing came when I expected it to. Um, my my thing is, I don't know if if it was necessarily a fair firing, and we could get to that later. Um, but no, we, we we can talk about it now. We can talk about okay. it now because there's there's rightfully there's some things that a lot of people blame on Coach Lloyd Pierce that he shouldn't have got blamed for. Effort, energy, execution amongst the players. You you can't put that on him. That's that's between the ears of the players that are on the court. Um, the injuries that have happened on the team, you can't blame him for that. The injuries happened, but and it really did cripple this team as far as where this team was supposed to go. That's not on Lloyd Pierce. Yeah. The contract situation as far as J.C. looming over the entire season, you can't put that on Lloyd Pierce as well. That, that wasn't his decision. That was an upper management decision. So there are a lot of things that played into – how the season has started for the Hawks, you can't put 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 on him. But I know for me, and I continue to say this, it's about his accountability as a head coach, 
or lack thereof at times. It's about his decision-making in games, whether it's lineups, whether it's coaches' challenges, whether it's, you know, cert- rolling out, making certain adjustments at the right time. Sometimes he failed that. Untimely timeouts. Uh, using using your timeouts to really control the game, to control the pace and control, really stop the bleeding at times. He kind of let some things go on a little longer than people would like. The inept on the offensive end at times, and we and I've talked about that at length on this program, him being known as a defensive coach and a player development coach, and you didn't really get to see a ton of player development as far you saw saw it in glimpse with these players uh, for the Hawks in a small sample size, but how much can you really attribute to him? And then them being bad on the defensive end, you're known as a defensive coach, and then you bring Nate McMillan in in your third season, in the season where you have an option for – uh, the fourth year, which would have been next year if they would have brought him back. So there are some things that you can point at Coach Lloyd Pierce and say, hey, that is on you. The lack of growth, lack of leadership, and the fact that he really can't command that huddle. I think that he lost his team with comments that he makes in post-game interviews where he truly separates himself from the players on the court saying that they need to get their shots up, they need to do this, they need to do that. But you never hear a lot of times of what he could do better as a coach, what the staff could do better to prepare them. And then you have the Trey Young comments of, oh, we're learning on the fly, and that's a shot at them not being prepared for what's going on on the court. So there's a lot of little things that you can point to Lloyd Pierce and say, as low-hanging fruit, like, yeah, these things we can see letting you go. We can see letting you go. But there was a lot of things out of his control that, you know, could have warned him being there a little longer to give him a chance to prove himself. But I think that when you lose your star player, especially that we talked about off air about how Trey was upset that he didn't get selected to be on the Olympic team. And Coach Lloyd Pierce basically supported this decision of him not being on the team and him being the star player here in Atlanta. You ruffle the feathers of your star player. And if you lose him. You, you've lost his team, especially because that is that is the de facto leader, whether he is the most vocal leader or he leads by example or whatever his leadership style that Trey Young, being a young player, is still trying to find, you know, what is going to be his calling card that makes him a leader on his team. Besides just being the leading scorer on the team, being the one that is initiating offense, he's still working that out. And he's a young player and a young man. He's going to find that out. Um, and so a lot of people say that, oh, he acts like a spoiled brat at times. Da, da, da. He's growing. He's young. He's 22 years old, you know what I'm saying? 23 years old, but he he had a he had a tough hand dealt to him as far as Lloyd Pierce, and he tried the best with what he could do, but there wasn't a lot of growth. There wasn't a lot of adjustments on his side of things that was evident into them winning more games and this or this team responding more to him. And I think that you know it is what it is at this point, and it and ultimately led to him being let go today. Okay, well, I ask if it's an unfair fire because this is his first head coaching gig, right? Right. And uh, the first two years, the team was kind of like really bad. They didn't really have much of a team or much of a roster. So this is his first like decent roster that he's had with his first coaching gig. Now, granted, it's his third year, but those first two years, he was developing the team and, you know, trying to get them right. Um, so that's why I ask if it's if it's a fair firing, because I'm not sure how long we give coaches, you know, a chance before we let them go versus it being a player. Like if this was Trey Young and he was just, you know, trash these last three years, 
Like, will we will we have already traded them? Will we still give them, you know, that 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 fourth year as an option to figure it out, or or what? So that's that's why I'm I'm kind of just questioning if it's a fair fire because I think his first two years, you know, that was obviously a struggle, and then this year is a struggle as well too. Then him having a stronger roster, but nobody really being healthy or healthy consistently enough to really get rhythm or to get a run going, and they didn't have a full you know, preseason or a training camp, which is why they're learning on the fly, which every NBA team is. But most NBA teams have chemistry or a lot of returning players or at least some type of foundation. And you, the Hawks had, you know, a crazy offseason and added, you know, five or six players or whatever. So this is technically like I feel like a new like a new season as far as it being it's third season, but this is kind of like a first season for him. And I feel like that fourth year option would have definitely came in handy um, just finishing out this year and then seeing what could have happened at the beginning of next year with, you know, a year with this roster under our belt and some type of chemistry and, and you know, some time together or whatever. Um, so that's just why I question if it's a fair firing. I, I understand the political side, the basketball side, the business side. I understand all that. But if we're just looking at how we do our players versus how we do our coaches, and then his situation is not really the common situation that's gone on around the league. Uh, is you know that's why I ask if it's a fair firing. I'm just playing playing devil's advocate, but that's why I ask that. And I don't really know how to answer that either. I'm not sure if it is or if it isn't. So that's why I just kind of throw it out there to give people to, something to think about before they just bash Lloyd Pierce for you know what he didn't do, I guess, and just consider everything that was on his plate and you know, everything that he had to deal with being a first-time head coach with not a, you know, ready-made team like a lot of first-year coaches get. And you are 100% correct in all that you said there. And I think just this whole situation just speaks to, you know, the power of fans, the power of social media, the, the power of people just, like I said, we talked about in previous episodes, the voices growing louder and louder for firing Lloyd Pierce. And people were voicing their displeasure with him. And I think that was another element that he had to fight was the fans because the fans were just tired of it. They've seen all that they wanted to see on the court and they were waiting for something new. And it's a product of obviously the history of Georgia sports and then them just wanting a winner here in Atlanta with the recent history from the Falcons, the Georgia Bulldogs, Atlanta United. The Braves, like the recent history of having teams that have a lot of talent, but just not getting the, not getting the championship, not getting to the playoffs, not, you know, exceeding expectations. They're tired of it here in Atlanta. And I think that you're absolutely right that this it was unfair that he was put in this situation and already let go in that regards because it is a new team. They don't have the continuity. They don't have. Um, all the available bodies to be the team that people expected them to be going into the season. But with all that considered, that's where being the head coach, being the leader commanding that locker room, getting them to buy into what you're doing, that's where all that comes into play. Yeah. Like those are all, those other things are legitimate factors that play into this that are out of his control. But at the end of the day, no matter you have to play with who you got who you have available and you have to command that locker room command their respect and have them buy in to what is going on on the court so they can understand what the game plan is understand how they fit 
in this offense, how they fit defensively so they can say, okay, we understand we internalize it. We're going to move forward and we're going to act on it. And, and that's where execution comes. And if we're going to drill it down just to that, he failed in that regard. He failed in that regard because you can look at huddles and see that he didn't have the respect, the command over that huddle that Nate McMillan did in his short game stint that we showed. And unfortunately, as great as it was, obviously, Coach Lloyd Pierce celebrating the birth of his second child, it was bad for him at the same time because we got to see a Nate McMillan coach team as far as with his Hawks roster, and they beat two playoff teams and arguably could have beat the Celtics. They could have swept the Celtics this year if it wasn't for the, you know, the huge outburst in the first half from the Celtics, especially in that second quarter. But then you saw the whole second half, the Hawks claw back, claw back, claw back, adjust defensively. Uh, but then obviously defense down the stretch was what caused them to lose. And that's another product of the team and not the coaching. But in that regard, you saw – Okay, under the Coach Nate McMillan team, they play harder, especially on the defensive end. They do look a little bit different. Even though Trey Young evaded those questions from the media, I saw a difference between how they played and how they responded to Nate McMillan versus Lloyd Pierce. And I think with half a season left, when you look at it, they're only two and a half games out of the eight seed right now. And if you're looking at the four seed where the New York, New York Knicks are, they're only – Three and a half games. They're three and a half games back for the Knicks. Knicks right now at four. They still have an opportunity to get in a run. And I think right now it's about finding that voice. If there's not a definitive voice on this roster right now, because everyone is trying to build continuity, figure out whose role is what on this team, then it's going to have to come down to the coach. And Coach Lloyd Pierce could not fill that void. But Nate McMillan, with all his years of experience, can fill that void right now to maybe right the ship with these players. And let's see how they respond in the second half of the season. You have to, like I said, you have a a team in Miami who they should have won the game last night. They have an, opp- an, an opportunity tomorrow night to right their wrongs against them. We'll see if Jimmy Butler is available for that game or not for the Heat. But let's see how they uh, respond against Miami tomorrow night with Nate McMillan leading the helm. Let's see how they end the first half of the schedule going against the Orlando Magic, who they should beat. And I want to see how they respond to them. And let's see if they can go into All-Star break, string two games together, two-game winning streak. Then you get a break with All-Star, let them rest, let some people get healthy, get back. And let's see how they finish the second half of this season to see if they can make a run and get back into play-in contention or playoff standings from here on out. I agree. So when I look at it, like I said, I, I, it's a, it's about leadership, it's about accountability, and it's about commanding the respect of your players. And I think on those three things, off the off the court, they had they had all that. Like they, he, Lloyd Pierce definitely has all that. He's a stand up guy, but on the court as a coach, a first year, a, a young coach, he did not have that. Is it right to blame him for that? Not necessarily, because he's a young coach. It's his first coaching stint, and it was a bad bad hand dealt. Um, and I think he's going to get another opportunity down the road, especially if he lands in the right situation as an assistant coach going forward. But they want a winner, and they were trying to win now, and they're looking at the timeline of their players and saying, hey, we need someone that's going to complement the players they have right now to get to where they're going to go. And that's going to lead into, you know, the next part of a conversation before we hit this little break. 
as far as replacements, so you had some replacement. I know the athletic. Uh, shout out to our, our friend Chris Kirshner. He put an article out. Lily asked me and Jordan were prepping for this show. We were talking about replacements for Lloyd Pearson. He beat us to the punch, but uh, we're going to talk about some of them there. So I'm going to kick it off to you as far as your replacements for Lloyd Pierce going forward, uh, outside of Nate McMillan, obviously, who's already on staff. Uh, I my, my initial thought whenever I heard about the firing was Jason Kidd, uh, simply you know because of Trey Young, if, if that's our franchise guy, I think. Jason Kidd uh, would be a, a, a great coach and a, one of the best point guards in NBA history to learn under, to learn how to facilitate an offense and, and lead a team. Um, and then my my second on the list was, was Kenny Atkinson because I feel like the team that he had in Brooklyn, um, the way that he, he developed the, their main guys, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, and, 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 and Spence, um, I think the way he developed those and, and he grew that team from – being outside the playoffs to getting them into the playoffs. And uh, he was, a, he, he efficiently raised their offensive rating each year, I think. Um, and, and just the, the respect he got from, you know, players like D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving and just that, that, that whole team and what he did with that, that organization. Um, I think, I think he would be great for Atlanta. I think uh, the offense that we have and the players that, that we have fit exactly uh, his style uh, you know, uh, on, on the offensive end and in the defensive end. Um, and I think uh, just, just word around the league, he, he's, he's very respected and, and a lot of players like him. So I, I feel like he would be a, a, a solid fit here in, in, in Atlanta. I agree with that as well, especially with Atkinson's short stint here in Atlanta. Um, that gives him some credibility, especially with him being under Budenholzer. I forgot um, about and- that too. Yeah. And he didn't have, obviously, all the pieces he needed in Brooklyn, but they always competed. And he was instrumental in developing young players like D'Angelo Russell, like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, to be, you know, the trade bargain pieces that they have become to obviously put together the roster that they have in Brooklyn. So he had to obviously be like the Mark Jackson up there. Uh, get them to a point, and then they make the moves necessary to put themselves in uh, championship contention, which is similar to, I think, what Atlanta is doing now. But you're absolutely right. They need a coach uh, that's offensive-minded to go with the defensive-minded coach that is already on staff and Nick McMillan, who has the experience and the respect. And we already see that these players respond to Nick McMillan a little bit different than they do with Lloyd Pierce. And we need to put somebody there offensively who's going to put, like you said, the players in the best situation to succeed. And I know that my suggestions are the former Kings coach, Dave Yeager. Uh, He's now an assistant with the 76ers right now. And I I know Doc Rivers has praised him as being a really, really great in-game coach and really, really good at X's and O's. And multiple players have echoed that sentiment as well. But when you look at what the Hawks need offensively, Compared to what Lloyd Pierce, Coach Lloyd Pierce was not a really great in-game coach. He was not a great in-game coach. And Dave Yeager will be a wonderful, you know, 180 from what the Hawks have had. Having a coach who is really good at X's and O's, getting everybody involved, putting them in situation to succeed. Like Atkinson, Dave Yeager can do that same thing. And making adjustments, timely adjustments in-game to give yourself a chance to win instead of making adjustments too little, too late, like we saw in the Thunder game and countless games this year and under Lloyd Pierce's tenure. And then another coach that I 
put out there as far as for a replacement who a lot of people thought he was going to get the T-Wolves head coaching job. But David Vanterpool, who um, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard have praised a lot for their own development as guards up in Portland when, with his time under there in uh, the great Northwest. And I think that Vanderpool would be a wonderful young coach that could come in with some experience uh, in developing guards. And that could be a wonderful marriage between him and Trey Young and Skylar Mays and, you know, Brandon Goodwin and all, and even Bogey, the young, you know, ball handlers on his team, even Herter. I think he could be really instrumental with this team and what he can do being younger, being able to relate players and helping this team take the next step. And then you have Nate McMillan behind you. But I think Dave Yeager is probably the right choice. He has head coaching experience. He's known as the X's and O's. He's known for being a really minded coach, in-game decision coach. And then you pair that with Nate McMillan. I think that that will take this team to the next level. But right now, I mean, you got over half the season with Nate McMillan. You're going to see how this team responds. You're going to see with the players that they have. This is going to be now that they got the coach out and they need to find a new coach. This is going to be an evaluation period for the players that are on this roster. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go through this program. But first, a quick plug for Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, we need to pause the show for an announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with its most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not on any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in an email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. I said it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021. And you get it straight from the GOAT and Brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league. All right, and we are back. So as we said before, we went to the little break from Bruce Letter that it's going to be an evaluation period as far as for the players on this roster. The Cam Reddishes, whenever he comes back, the Kevin Herders. And John Collins with his contract situation, who's been looking really good the last few games. He's been really dominant, but unfortunately, they have not translated to wins because of the play at times of Trey Young, who has been – some people think he may have an injury. He looks a little hobbled, a little labored out there, uh, but who knows at this point. But the Hawks are going to be re- evaluating this roster from here on out to see how they respond to getting Lloyd Pierce out, which – it seemed that the players weren't really responding to as well as they did under Nate McMillan in a small sample size. But I'm really excited to see what they can do going forward. If you look at the last five games, I talked about the two playoff teams that they beat uh, under Nate McMillan. They beat the Celtics up in Boston. Then they lost the second game in the two-game series to the Celtics, which we talked about 
before they normally split uh, those two game series. And we're hoping that the Hawks split the two game series in uh, in Miami tomorrow night. And then with Nate McMillan and obviously the last five games, they beat the, the Denver Nuggets at home, a playoff team. Great defense on Jokic, and they won the game 123-115. And then they get Lloyd Pierce back in Cleveland, and they had that collapse in the fourth quarter where they let Cleveland and Sexton get pretty much anything they wanted, and then they gave up a dunk with 4.4 seconds left to give Cleveland the lead, and then no timeout taken by LP. Hawks try to push it down the court with Trey Young, and Trey Young tried to pass it to Tony Snell in the corner for a three, a little too late as time ran out, and they lose that game by one in a heartbreaking fashion in a game that they should have won. I know me and you, Jordan, we texted about, you said the size of uh, Cleveland was going to pose a problem for the Hawks, but and obviously having Collins leave that game with a concussion did not help uh, the Hawks' cases as, as well on that night, but still Thought they should have won that game in Cleveland. And then they go on to blow out the uh, the Celtics um, on a back-to-back after losing that game in Cleveland behind 30-plus points from Trey Young and Danilo Gallinari, who uh, broke the team record for three-pointers in the game with 10 made three-pointers against the Celtics at home. They were hot from the floor. They played really good team defense, and that was a really good game and a, and a and hell of a response uh, to falling short to Cleveland. Then they go – to Oklahoma City on the road, a homecoming for Trey. Uh, the team looked kind of out of sort. Trey Young looked a little bit hobbled, may have been injured. And outside of John Collins and Capella, they tried to adjust a little too late in the game, and they fall short to the Thunder. And then you have last night, Hawks have a lead, then poor execution turnovers in the fourth quarter, and the Heat defense uh, pretty, pretty much put the clamps on the Hawks after John Collins went berserk the entire game. They tried to put the ball in Trey Young's hands, and he just didn't have it last night uh, like John Collins did, and they couldn't. They didn't really find John Collins in the fourth quarter, and it led to them uh, losing game one against the Heat, and obviously they have a chance to rebound tomorrow night uh, in Miami. But last five games, two and three, uh, under Nate McMillan, they went two and one. Going forward, what do you expect from this Hawks team? Um, Jordan, I know I talked about how I, I would love to see them get a win tomorrow against the Heat, and then they beat the Magic going into this little break. But what do you what do you expect from the Hawks going forward now that they got Lloyd Pierce out, who there was friction reported friction between him and Trey Young, and it looked a little different under Nate McMillan. What do you, what do you hope to see from this Hawks team going forward? Um, I I think I need to know what their intentions are. Are they are they trying to make the playoffs or? They just trying to like build chemistry because I'd like them to. I'd like to see them develop their younger players, like uh, on Yeki or whatever his name is. How do you say it? Um, on Yeka, Yeka, yeah. I'd like to see him get more minutes in developing since they're kind of outside the playoff race right now. I don't think he's gotten good development minutes, and with John Collins' future uncertain, uh, I don't know if we're going to extend him, if we're going to trade him, like what's going on. I think now would be the time to develop him because he's obviously that next person up in that position. Uh, I mean, depending on what is going to happen with with, with Collins, um, so that's that's one thing I'd like to see is uh, him getting more more minutes and just being able to to get out there and m- make mistakes. Also, I'd like to see some some shift in their in in their roster or their their their, their lineups. Um, 
I think I think Gallinari needs to share the floor more with Trey. I don't know if if they could combo that with Collins or they got to find some balance. But I think uh, I think offensively, Gallinari is the piece that that complements Trey's game and that 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 Hawks offense. In in my opinion, um, Capella can still stay in the paint, but I think that four needs to be either either if if they're going for the playoffs. Gallinari needs to be getting bulk of the minutes at that four. If they're looking, you know, just to kind of coast or whatever, then they should, you know, play and develop their, their younger talent. I, and, and you're, I, and you're I, saying that as if the, if they do move on from Collins at some point? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Like, like just like that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm not sure what their goals are for the this rest of the season and the future. So, if they move on from Collins, or if they're thinking about moving on from Collins, I'd like to see uh, the, the, the younger players get more talent. If they're going to keep them, then I'd like to see more offensive diversity, I guess, or uh, just a better offensive scheme than going to Trey Young and Collins. And I like I like Gallinari there because he offensively he's more creative and he can score in more spots. Collins is kind of predictable, so I think when if we go into the playoffs and that the game slows down, Collins is going to have a harder time getting uh his numbers because he he can only score in certain spots which is why i think this is a dip to his scoring uh this season because his shots are predictable where they're coming from um so i guess going forward just more offensive creatively just getting everybody involved more uh just trying to figure out what they're going to do with their with their with their their younger players if they're going to trade collins uh figure out that trade i think the trade deadline is like the 25th or whatever um i'd go for teams that would that have a lot of draft picks i think we're pretty set on players right now i'd look at teams like oklahoma and houston like teams that got like you know those like 20 draft picks in the next like two years whatever that's what i would look to send them to and just uh acquire more more draft picks for this hawks team but it just depends on what route they're looking to go for but i uh overall i'd just like to see better offense just uh just getting everybody involved in just more more creativity on the on the on the offensive end. And I agree. I want to see more creativity on the offensive end uh, going forward. I want to see more people getting involved. I want to see uh, games where John Collins is eating and he has a mismatch continue to feed him like he has so many games where he has great output, but they don't win. And it's because it kind of takes away from other players uh like Trey, those games where John Collins goes off, Trey Young doesn't have as great of games uh, offensively. And I want to see Herter continue to get involved. I want to see Okongwu continue to be on the floor. Uh, Skylar Mays, I love the minutes that we've been getting from Skylar Mays as of late, uh, the former LSU Tiger. Uh, he's been looking great um, coming off the bench and really carving out some minutes ahead of Brandon Goodwin. Uh, I, I need to see Rondo continue to get healthy. I need to see this team to get healthy. I want to see this team to respond the way that they did when Coach McMillan was leading the helm. I want to see these defensive adjustments and the different different defensive looks that they did uh, when he was, you know, leading the team with Lloyd Pierce out. I want to see them have, you know, the more offensive creativity. I mean, it still looked the same offensively when he was at the helm, but with him being the interim coach probably going forward, I want to see what he can do because obviously he's led playoff teams a lot of his years when he's been um, a head coach. He's only had four losing seasons. 
as a head coach, and he's been a head coach for, I think, 15 years in the NBA, and you only have four losing seasons. So he's not used to losing. He has a team that's always usually in the top half of the league defensively. And I want to see basically his tentacles and his experience and his um, pedigree of a coach uh, as a coach show with this team. And like I talked about, it looked like a lack of leadership and lack of accountability as far as LP as a head coach when he's a young coach and he's going to have to learn he learned some tough lessons which ultimately led him to be relieved of his duties today but i want to see what nick mcmillan can do and how he can help turn this team around with half a season left and like i said only only a few games out from the eight seed and only three and a half four games out from the four seed in the east they're not out of it that's the beauty of the East. With, I mean, if you the teams that are four through eight as far as in the East right now, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs in the West because of their record, because of how tough the West is. That is the beauty of the Hawks being in the East is that they still have a shot. And so and all it takes is a run. All it takes is a run and buy-in and this team coming together and say, hey, we're getting all of our pieces back. We're gonna talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about bogey. Who's right now, Bogey right now is upgraded to questionable for tomorrow's game in Miami. He hasn't played the game since January 9th. That's another ball handler, um, shot creator, um, and playmaker that you can put in the starting lineup or have him come off the bench. Obviously, he's going to have to work himself back into shape as far as minutes goes, but he was going to be a huge key going into this year, and the timing of him coming back could not be better. We still don't know when Hunter's going to be back, but but um, hopefully that's coming soon. Reddish has been out the last couple of games as well. We, we would love to have Reddish to come back as well. Um, and still no update on Chris Dunn. This team is going to continue to get healthier and healthier. And then you have a new voice leading his team who I think they kind of respect a little bit more because of his demeanor and his um, experience as a head coach. So I just want to see where this goes forward for this Hawks team. And I'm thinking this team can make a run. I think this team can definitely make a run. Uh, but like you said, they're going to have to make a decision as far as I think that we should not let John Collins walk. We should not let him walk. We either need to re-sign him at the end of the year or trade him. Those are the only two options for John Collins going forward. And he's been playing great the last seven, eight games, in my opinion. He's been playing great. And especially when there's games where we finally get him the ball, get him his touches, and he takes advantage of his mismatches. I've been seeing more of him putting the ball on the floor and getting to the hoop. I love seeing that. If we can continue to get that from him, I say, hell, sign him. Bring him back. But we're going to have to make a decision on him because that now that we know that Lloyd Pierce is out of the picture, you have Nick McMillan, who's a little bit more of a stable force and a tenured coach, at the helm leading at, going forward. Now, like I said, it goes into player player um, evaluation. What are we going to do with John Collins? Uh, Tony Snell has one year left, and that $12 million contract uh, that he's making this year, could it be a piece, uh, a throwaway contract that you could pair with John Collins and move on from him and get something in return, get some picks, get another player? player? I don't know at this point. And like you said, we don't know what direction this front office is going. Um, where they are standings wise is close to um, tankathon, but like I said, they're in spitting distance of the eight seed and playing spot, and they're still in spitting distance of the four seed. So it's all about, like you said, how this team responds and if this team can come together. Last two games going into All Star break, and then make a run after there. You know, they get some players healthy, they get some rest. 
uh, gives them time to practice maybe going into the second half of the schedule, uh, figure out what their focus is going to be and how they want to close out, how they want to end this season. Right now, Lloyd Pierce is gone. We can't blame him anymore. Fans cannot blame him anymore. It's about the players now. It's about you know, what what Nate McMillan can do with this team. It's about how they respond from here on out. So tomorrow night we have a game against the Heat, second game uh, of a two-game series down in Miami. They fell short to them in game one. We don't know the status of Jimmy Butler tomorrow night, but uh, what do you expect in the game tomorrow night versus the, versus the Heat? Obviously we know they're the tough defensive team. They were Eastern Conference champions last year, but with the firing of Lloyd Pierce, um, do you do you think that for how they played under Nate McMillan a couple games back with him at the helm, are, are we going to get a win out of this Hawks team tomorrow, which I hope to see, or will it be kind of a um, where do we go from here situation? Uh, not referring to a Young Berg and Twister song, but where do we go? Where do we go from here? So, what do you expect uh, tomorrow from this Miami uh, Hawks game tomorrow night? Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually expecting the, the Hawks to win. Uh, I think the players that were disgruntled with Lloyd Pierce, it'll be obvious tomorrow night how, how they perform. Um, I think I think we'll, we'll be able to see you know who was truly dis- disgruntled. Um, but I, I, I do see the Hawks kind of gaining some traction and getting some wins just because Nate McMillan is a defensive coach. And I think we spoke earlier. You said the Hawks are like six and thirteen when the game is like five points or less in the last like few minutes of the game. And I yes. think, and I think defensively, that's where Nate McMillan can uh, maybe find some, some some balance there by the end of the season. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, and then and then I think a, a lot of the series this year, the little back to back series. I think they've been they've been uh, split. I think like they're more like like one and one. So. If the Hawks, you know, since since the Hawks lost the first one, I think uh, they'll get this this second one, and then just with you know, going into the break, having a new coach, and then the break being at home, just having some time away, I think them them trying to close out, you know, the, these last two games because they play Orlando after Miami, right? Correct. Yeah. So I think I think if they could if they could pull off a win in 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 both of these games, and then get some time off. Uh, I think, I think that'll be really good for them in the this, this second half of the season, but I'm, 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 I'm confident uh, that, that, that Trey's going to have a big game. Uh, I think, I think Collins is going to have a big game. Um, I'm, I'm confident that if, if the game is close then the Hawks are going to come out on top more often than they came on the other, other side uh, within the this, this second half of the season. Yeah. And how tough this uh, first half of the season was for the Hawks as far as schedule goes. It was a tough first half of the uh, of the schedule, and this was a tough February. I mean, this was even with DeAndre Hunter healthy um, in a full roster, it was going to be tough games. Nuggets, uh, the Mavericks twice, you know, the Raptors, the Jazz. Uh, it was going to be tough regardless. The Celtics three times, and you beat the Celtics two out of three games, and you win that season series. But then you lose games like the Cavaliers, the Thunder. You lose. Um, against the Knicks, where you had let you know your boy Julius Randle have a career night from the three-point line, uh, you get ramrodded by the Spurs at home. Like, we, as far as you know, how inconsistent you know, as far as who's been in the lineup, who's not been in the lineup because of injuries, um, the Hawks are still 
find some consistency there. So hopefully if we can get some players back and you have the second half of the schedule coming up, they can build some continuity and some consistency to close out strong. And I hope that it begins tomorrow night in Miami. Uh, so, you know, Jordan, Mr. ATL Player Development, I want to thank you again for coming on the show today. Um, I just think that the timing of when we decided to record, we were supposed to record yesterday, and uh, life happened, but then we got on today, and then the firing of Lloyd Pierce, it just, it all fell how it was supposed to fall. So I want to thank you again for coming on the show and tell everybody to connect with you and what you got going on um, here in the next few months. That was perfect timing for us, us to record. So I'm glad we didn't we didn't record yesterday because uh, this news was great. Uh, getting it today before before we started, but uh, everybody can get in contact with me off Instagram, Swissful Athletics. I'm available for workouts. Uh, the summer is starting to gear up, or my off season starting to gear up. I got some guys here for for pre draft camps and all that stuff, getting ready for all that. Um, so just you can you can follow me and stay tuned to how I develop my guys or we can get in the gym together. Swissful Athletics on Instagram. Please check him out. Uh, you know, Jordan, he does fantastic work. He has players in, in the G League, in the league, overseas. Uh, he has some young players that I've seen on IG, you know, trying to work on their skills. And he just he just does a really great job. So he knows what he's talking about as far as basketball goes. And I know that you guys love his takes when he's on. And um, if you are a young basketball player um, aspiring to where some of his clients um, are currently, you know, hit him up. See how you can take your game to the next level as we're hoping the Hawks take their game to the next level as well. Um, I wanted to end the program with some great news um, for my family. Um, I have a younger sister of mine. Uh, she's currently in the hospital recovering. Um, she had kidney failure at 10 years old, and she's been doing dialysis uh, off and on since then. And she got a match for a new kidney, so she's in the hospital right now recovering. So um, a very, very happy, happy time for me and my family. Um, it's been a long, uh, long 15 years or so. Uh, battling with this, but I'm just happy that my sister can have, you know, a normal life. And for all you guys uh, and gals who listen to the program who may not be an organ donor, I definitely think you, uh, you should reconsider it because you never know um, if something unfortunate were to happen to you or to a loved one or a friend and they are an organ donor, they have an opportunity to let their organs, you know, give life to someone else and normalize their life uh, going forward. And it's a gift that you can keep on giving um, after you are gone. So I know that it was um, unfortunately someone had to lose their life uh, for my sister to get a kidney and try to have more of a normal life. But um, if you if you are on the fence for that or you know, just you know, just just spread the word. Being an organ donor is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing to give life and give meaning to someone else's life uh, long after, unfortunately, if yours expires. So, thoughts and prayers goes out to the person who um, and their family who lost their lives for my sister to get a new kidney. But we are ecstatic and just thankful for this opportunity. Um, so yeah, so that's why I haven't been on the last couple of days. Uh, we've been dealing, we've been, you know, dealing with that, but you know, we, we weren't going to leave you without a podcast for long. And like, like I said with Jordan, you know, the timing could not have been perfect as far as when we recorded this episode. Uh, so I thank him again for coming on. I thank you listeners for tuning in. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars, give us a good review, share it. Tell a friend to tell a friend to everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. That's no cap. Numbers do not lie. Share with fellow Hawks fans across the globe and NBA basketball enthusiasts. 
follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-67 on Twitter. And as always, yay!